Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New City. My name is Travis. I'm here with Alexia. We're so glad you're with us, whether you're at South Park, whether you're at Matthews, or whether you're joining us online. We're just very thankful that you're here this morning. Wanted to let you know about a place called Connection Point. If you haven't seen this already at each of our locations, it's a place for you to come and learn about New City, what we're all about, and answer any questions you may have. And of course, if you're online, go to newcity.us connect to find more. Awesome. And camp registrations are open. Let's we are it. so excited for our next-gen kids and students to join us at camp. Our current second and fifth graders will be going to Camp Kid Jam, where they will grow in wisdom and faith and friendships. And our sixth through twelfth graders will spend a week at Whisper Mountain, where they will escape the noise of everyday life and grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus. So go online to newcity.us/events for all the details, dates, and to sign up today. Oh yeah, I loved Camp's Kid. Hope so many of you will get to be a part of that. Well, hey, I wanna continue thanking the many of you who choose to give faithfully to New City. We are deeply passionate about what we do here at New City, and that is to bring the hope of the gospel into our city and world. So thank you to those of you who do. If you're interested in giving, want to let you know about newcity.us give. You can also text to give. But for now, we want to invite you to stay with us as we continue in our series throughout the book of Ephesians. Good morning, everyone. I am excited to be with you all today. I'm grateful for your presence in God's house today. Thanks also to those joining us via New City Live today. And if you're new with us, whether you're in person or joining us virtually, a special welcome to you. I'm Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Church. And I'm always excited when God's people can gather together and sit at his feet and learn from him. But before we dive into our message for the day, I do want to uh, reiterate one piece of family news coming up for us this week, and that is New City Date Night. New City Date Night. I was hoping somebody, somebody married would start clapping right there. New City Date Night, right? New City Date Night. Listen, I know that over the last couple of years, our, our marriages and our lives have been full of circumstances that have undoubtedly put pressure on our Marriages, And so I want to encourage you to block off some time this Friday to connect with each other and to invest in your marriage. Now, date night is happening this coming Friday, February 11th, from 6.30 to 8.30, right here at the South Park location. Now, we, we took away all excuses. We're going to have child care and dinner. Amen, somebody. Child care and dinner. And listen, our friends Jeff and Laura are going to be leading us in our time together along with Pastor Chris and Jen Payne. And they're going to help us understand what it looks like to move towards a more resilient marriage. And that's important to me personally because one of the things that, that I have observed, and I share this with every wedding that I officiate, is that most couples spend more time more energy and resources on their wedding than they do their marriage. 
Let me say that again. Most couples spend more time, more energy, and more resources on their wedding than they do their marriage. And that's not going to be us. Amen? That's not going to be us. And so my prayer and my hope is that you will prayerfully consider registering for that. Jacqueline and I will be there. We hope to see you there. But I do have an ask. I want you to register today if you can. Register today if you can because that will help us prepare for your presence on Friday. Amen? That will help us prepare for your presence. So you can register for that at newcity.us slash events. Newcity.us slash events. Now let's pray and give God this portion of our time together. Gracious, kind, and loving God, thank you for this holy, for this divine moment. Thank you that before the very foundations of the world, you orchestrated this moment that we would hear from you. Lord, we understand that your word cannot be taught nor understood apart from your Holy Spirit. So we declare that your spirit is the authority in this place. Move up and down these aisles, move in and out of our hearts, God, but get the glory out of our lives. We pray that you give us ears to hear, give us a heart to receive, and that we will leave this place new, confident, feeling seen, feeling loved, because that's the kind of God you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So do you want the good news or the bad news? The good news or the bad news? Pastor Chris opened Ephesians chapter 2 last week with this very important question. You want the good news or do you want the bad news? He also shared a scenario in which three patients went to go see a heart doctor. If you were here last week, you remember this. And all of the patients received both good news and bad news. And the bad news was that the scans and the x-rays revealed that all of them had a serious heart condition that they were born with. It also revealed that they were all chain smokers. And if they did nothing about it, they'd be dead within a year. In other words, the patients were informed that their disease was the combination of both condition and choice. Their disease was the combination of both condition and choice. The good news was that surgery could correct it and they would live. Now, if you remember, on last week, they had three different responses, right? The first one responded in anger, saying that the bad news made them feel terrible and that they would have rather had just the good news and the encouragement. Another responded in denial, saying, you know what, I hear that, but I'll be fine. But then the last one, if you remember the scenario, the last one responded with acceptance and gratitude while disappointed and shocked. They were grateful that the doctor cared enough to tell them the truth. The doctor cared enough to tell them the truth, and they were relieved that something could be done about it. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you identify with one or more of those people. But this is the scenario that is essentially the opening verses of Ephesians chapter number 2. And Paul is writing here to share the wonderful news of God's love and grace for sick people. His love and his grace for sick people. However, they, we, will never fully understand and celebrate God's grace until we know how bad it is to be without it. 
So related to the question, do you want the good news or the bad news, the Apostle Paul, as he begins chapter number two, he doesn't wait for us to answer the question because he knows that you won't know how bad the bad news is until you know how good the good news is. We learned last week that the bad news is worse than we thought, and the good news is better than we could have ever imagined. So here in Ephesians chapter number two, Paul wants to give us a clear understanding of the gospel message in the first 10 verses here. He wants to give us a clear understanding over and over again. This passage, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10, is pointed out as one of the most powerful passages in all of scripture. One of the most powerful passages in all of scripture. And get this, it begins with really bad news. It begins with really bad news. The truth is that the beginning point of the gospel is to name the bleak reality. The beginning point of the gospel is to name the bleak reality, which is this. Without God, though we live, we're lifeless. Without God, though we live, we are lifeless. And so Paul, as he begins Ephesians chapter number two, he begins with the bad news. Verse one starts off, he said, once you were dead because of your disobedience. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. He says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of this, all of us rather, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. That's the bad news. We were dead. But then he segues into the good news in verse 4 through 7 with a two-word phrase that I love, but God. We were dead, but God says, but God, verse 4, who is rich, is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 7 says, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ. Now, I love that in verses 1 through 7, Paul tells us what happened. Okay, stay with me. In verse 1 through 7, Paul tells us what happened. He says, you were dead, now you are alive in Christ. But in verses 8 through 10, he goes on to tell us, we'll look at verse 8 through 10 today, he goes on to tell us how it happened and why it happened. So first he tells us what, then he tells us the how and the why. So let's look at this together. If you're able and you have a copy of scriptures with you, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word as we read Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10. should also be preloaded for you on the New City app along with the sermon outline. If neither of those float your boat, we got it right here for you on the screens. Amen? 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Verse 10. Verse 10. God's masterpiece. I want you to remember that. God's masterpiece. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. So he starts off with the what? We were dead and now we're alive. But he starts off with the how. And what's the how? How did this happen? God's gift. How do we go from being dead to now being alive? It is the gift of God. He says we are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. Now, I love this. Verse 8 and other translations of Scripture begin with the word for. In other versions, it says, it says, for by grace you have been saved. And I love that word for because it connects verse 1 through 7 with verses 8 through 10. And this is important as Paul brings all of this together for our understanding. He, it, for introduces Paul's explanation of how God's gracious offer of salvation happens. He says, though we were dead in our sins and held captive by these three prison guards. Remember those prison guards that Chris talked about last week? The world, the devil, and the flesh. Though we were held captive by those, God made us alive. He raised us with Jesus and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. So salvation is only then by grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is getting what we do not deserve and what we can't earn. In other words, grace is God's righteousness at Christ's expense. It's God's righteousness at Christ's expense. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So here it is. Grace is God's righteousness in and through us. Grace is God's righteousness in and through us made possible by the finished work of Christ. It is a gift. It is a gift. So that's God's grace. Verse 8 says, God saved you by grace when you believed. He saved, saved us by grace when you believed. In other words, by grace through faith. Now, I need you to understand this. We're not saved by faith. Amen? We are not saved by faith. But God saves us by grace when our faith is expressed. When our faith is expressed. So it begs the question, what is faith? What is faith? Faith is the instrument by which grace is received. Are you following me? Faith is the instrument by which grace is received. I love this uh, analogy of this that I came across in my study of this, and I think it helps us to understand this. It says, similarly, similar to a syringe that delivers life-saving medication 
a person is saved because of the medicine, which is grace, not because of the syringe. And yet, without the syringe that is faith, salvation would not be possible. Does that make sense? So it, this makes me think of, this makes me think of the many times as a firefighter and an EMT, I got to witness paramedics and other medical personnel administer life-saving, pain-relieving medication. And it made me think of how you and I get to witness the work of God in our own lives through our faith because of his grace. In other words, I get to watch God change everything about me that does not glorify him. I get to witness him do that as I move forward in my life by faith because of his grace. Listen, I'm going to be honest. Some of y'all don't want to know the Rodney five years ago. You don't want to know that guy. I was impatient, moody, emotional, but, but by faith because of his grace. I have, I have a front row seat to the work of God in my life. The front row seat. And if I walk with God long enough, I get to see him do it in your life as well. And so he says we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. This is how we go from being dead to now being alive in Christ. And the rest of verses 8 and 9, Paul continues to amplify how this happens. Paul uses two negative statements with a positive one in the middle to explain. This is important for us. He says in verse 8b, you can't take credit for this. You cannot take credit for this. In verse 8c, he says, it is a gift from God. You can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. It is not a reward for the good things we have done. Now, some of us get over the top about the good works we do, don't we? We get over the top with it. There's nothing wrong with doing good things and being proud of what God has used you to do. But the whole thing, Paul wants us to understand, the whole thing was made possible independent of you. So while Paul foot stomps this thing, he says, we, we can't take credit for this. He finishes his explication of how this works by saying in 9b, so none of us can boast about it. None of us can boast about it. If there is any remaining confusion about how this happens, Paul wants to clear this up. None of us can boast about it. Now, remember here, Paul is making it clear that salvation is a gift that is freely offered to us. A gift that is freely offered to us. And he's writing this to an audience that is spiritual. He's writing this to an audience that is spiritual. However, this audience, they largely believe that you must work to earn grace and salvation. Not unlike many of us today, right? We feel like we got to work to earn what God has freely given us. And I get it, right? We live in a, we live in a transactional world. We live in a transactional culture that promotes assertiveness and going to get what you want in exchange for something else. And it certainly has its place, but I believe that that makes it difficult for many of us to freely receive things. It makes it difficult for us to freely receive. I'll never forget when I first started uh, my church plant in Maryland. 
People will want to bless me all the time. Pastor, we want to bless you with this. No, no, I'm good. God bless you. Thank you so much, but I'm good. Robbing people of the opportunity to, to be a blessing to me. All because I couldn't really accept the idea of being freely given something. It was cool for me if I, if I worked for it. It's cool for me if I work for it, then yes, I expect that. But I believe that many of you are the same way I was. It's hard for us to receive. And so while we live in a transactional world, the kingdom of God is very different, isn't it? The kingdom of God is not transactional, it's relational. All God wants you and I to do is receive. Receive what he has freely given to us. And so Paul tells us here what happened in verses uh, 1 through 7. Then he tells us how in verses 8 through 9 we are saved by grace through faith. But in verse 10 he tells us why. So if the how is God's gift, then the why is God's work. Why have we gone from being dead to being alive? All for the purpose of God's work. All for the purpose of God's work. Let's look at verse, verse 10 one more time here together. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Somebody needs to receive that today. Right there. You are God's masterpiece. It says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So why did he move us from being dead to being alive? so that he can accomplish his work first in and then through us. First in and then through us. And so when Paul says we are God's masterpiece, I need you to know that means we, you were God's idea. You were God's idea. As silly and as quirky as you are, you were God's idea. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Beautiful in his eyes. Beautiful in his eyes. You are God's masterpiece. That's why he, 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 he translated us from being dead to now being alive in Christ because he wants us to know that our identity is in him, not in who the world says you are, not in, in what the world thinks about your gifts. So he says, this is, this is why God did this. This is why he did this, because we need to understand who we are in him, who we are in him. Now, somebody in here may not, you may not feel like God's masterpiece today. You may not feel like that today, but I need you to understand this is how God sees you. God sees you as his masterpiece. He sees you as his masterpiece. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, believers in Jesus are made anew. We are, we are made anew. Now, now watch this. We no longer work for God's approval and love. We no longer do that. That's performance. Now we work from God's approval and God's love. I need you to understand the difference. We no longer work for it, but now we work from that place. We work from that place. And I love it. The scripture, there's a great example of Jesus doing this in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, just before he began his public ministry. Just before Jesus began his public ministry, he is baptized by John. And the scripture says this, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending 
like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Then Jesus steps into his public ministry. Here it is. He, he, no, he did ministry not for the affirmation and approval of men. He did it from a place of affirmation, approval, and love from his father. And this is why it's important that we understand that we are God's masterpiece. Because when we understand that, you walk in a room different. You show up different in a room, don't you? When you understand that you are God's masterpiece. It's not about being cocky or arrogant in anything you've done. We've already established that it's a gift. It's a gift. But the gift has a purpose. And that is for you and I to understand that we're a masterpiece. So that we can advance God's kingdom in the earth. This is why verse 10 says, so we are God's masterpiece, so we can do the good things that we wanted to do since we were born. No, so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God gives us this gift so that we can do his work. We can understand the work he's doing in us and that we can advance the work that he wants to do in the earth. In other words, we don't just hang out around here and, and wait for heaven, right? We don't just hang out around here and wait for heaven. No, we go and make disciples, right? Because when you, when, when you understand God's grace in your life, you not only show up differently, but you want other people to experience it too, don't you? You want other people to experience the freedom and fulfillment that only comes when you are in Christ. We don't have to go far when we leave this place to experience people that are living but are lifeless. We don't have to go far. So we have been called and created to receive this gift from God so that we can do God's work. Salvation from beginning to end is the result of God's grace. It's by grace that we are saved, and it's by grace that we live out God's righteousness. We can't be who God called us to be apart from his grace. Y'all heard me say before, sometimes when I let people over in traffic and they don't wave, I want to follow them. <laughs> Y'all heard me say that, it's by God's grace, I don't carry that out. <laughs> it's by his grace. I don't have a charge, a record. But it's also by his grace that we can extend love to people. It's also by his grace that we can forgive people. It's also by his grace that we can love the unlovable because guess what? We're unlovable, but God still loves us. And so Paul makes this compelling, crystal clear explanation of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about says once you were dead, now you're alive. And the reason why is because of the gift of God. And the purpose for that is the work of Christ. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Because he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? To God be the glory. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we bless and we honor your holy name. 
We thank you, Father, that before we were even formed in our mother's womb, you loved us and you had a plan for us. And we're grateful today, God, that in spite of us, before your namesake, you gave us the grace of this moment. This moment to remember that you gave us a gift. And the only reason that those of us can say that we're alive is because of you. And so, God, we just pray today that you would help us to fully embrace the gift that is your grace by faith. And we pray, God, that you would help us to be confident in the work that you've already done, that we would understand that we're your masterpiece. And that we would take joy in advancing your kingdom in the earth. And so, God, I pray for the person that may be in this room today that doesn't have a relationship with you, that may be feeling at this very moment the tug on their heart from your spirit. And so I pray, God, that you would open their hearts right now, God, in the name of Jesus. That you would open their minds, God. And I pray if that's, if that's you in this place today, I want you to pray this prayer along with me silently as I pray it aloud. Say, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to save me from my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead and that at this very moment he invites me to be a part of your forever family. And because of what Jesus has done, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I ask you to give me eternal life. I invite you now into my heart and into my life. And I want to trust you, Jesus, as my Savior. And I want to follow you as my Lord. Help me to live my life in a way that honors you and that brings you glory. God, I thank you for those who prayed that prayer right now. Thank you that heaven is rejoicing right now, God. And I thank you that there are more souls snatched from the grasp of the enemy. And as they move forward, God, I pray that you would help them to understand that they are your masterpiece created for your good work. Continue, I pray, Lord, to glorify yourself in and through us all for your purposes and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name, every grateful heart said amen and amen. Good morning, church. Man, good to see you guys today. Today is Communion Sunday, and what an appropriate Sunday to get a, get a pause now here at the end, especially after what we've just heard Pastor Rodney point us to as we remember just what such a clear example or explanation of the gospel that Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 is. All about, man, it's by his grace that we've been saved. And I do wonder, as you think about God's grace in your life, just what are those moments, those images, those scenes that come to your mind 
when you remember when God first allowed you to kind of connect what that means for you. That, that it, in the midst of your sin or in the midst of your, your, your choices, that God's grace, Jesus Christ, met you. That he still chose to love you. And I think the phrase that resonated with me from the past is that, that, that we can't take credit for it. That it's not of our own doing, but it's, it's because of Christ's expense. And so you remember phrases like, by his wounds, we've been healed. That he personally took on his body our sin and carried it to the cross. Uh, that it's, that it's, it's our, um, that he was crushed for our iniquities. And all those things, and we see this beautiful picture of, of what Christ has done for us. And whenever, whenever grace is received, guess what it does in our hearts? Man, it, it makes joy overflow. It brings us hope. It brings us, it brings us life. And, and for us today, as we get to celebrate communion, communion is a time for us to remember. Remember Jesus. It's a time for us to reorient uh, our hearts in, back to him. And again, I know that we all kind of walk into this space, bring in all different things, and, and things are on our mind. And this is a time to help us reorient ourselves back to God and his grace and the life that we have. Uh, but it's also a time to worship and give thanks because of what he's done for us. You know, coming to the Lord's table, um, you know, it's open to all believers. And so if you are visiting today, if you're newer to New City and you, uh, you're as a brother and sister in Christ, we'd love for you to participate with us uh, in, in this moment. Uh, if you're sitting in this room and, you, and you're, you're, like, you're still maybe unsure, you're still trying to figure out what you believe about Jesus, um, I'd encourage you to, 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 to let this moment pass, but we're so glad that you're here and use this moment to, to, to just to ponder, yeah, who is, who is Jesus to you? Um, what are you seeking? What, are you, what is your hope in? But use this moment because God has you here for a reason um, and, don't, and don't miss it because God's wanting to say something or show you something. Um, but again, as we come to this place, um, it is a time for us to, to, to kind of think about, yeah, what's God wanting to speak to us in as we as Christ followers come to him? You know, it's at the Lord's table that we're reminded that the Lord gives us everything that we need. So if you're in this space and you need rest, man, Jesus provides you rest. Forgiveness, Jesus provides forgiveness. Direction, you're like, I don't know what in the world's going on right now, and the Lord provides direction. Peace, joy, all those things. So before we participate, uh, before we take, um, let's just take 30 seconds. Just wherever you're sitting, just, just get quiet before the Lord and, and pray to him and, and get your hearts ready. came in today, you should have received one of these. If you didn't get one, just slip your hand up. We'll have hosts that will come and bring you one. Um, worship, the worship team is going to be leading us in a song, and so as hosts bring it, 
you can find a moment and you can take, but, but remember that on the night that Jesus was arrested, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And with his disciples there, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then likewise, after supper, Jesus, he took the cup, and with his disciples there, he said, this is this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. But every time you drink of it, remember, remember me and all that I've done for you. And as often as you drink, or as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for going to the cross for us, carrying our sin, and then offering us a gift, the gift of yourself. Help us to believe, but help us to rest in the salvation that you provide. We thank you and we remember you. pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Take and eat as you, dis- as you discern. Greater, and what could? 
Amen. Come on, if you're grateful for the powerful name of Jesus, can you give him some praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a great time of fellowship today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I pray that as you leave today that you would remember that you are God's masterpiece, created and called to advance his kingdom in the earth, all made possible by the grace of a loving and a living God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I do want to remind you about date night coming up this Friday night. I want to encourage you, please block out time. Invest in the most important relationship that you have next to your relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. I hope to see you there. Well, if you're able, won't you extend your hands and receive this benediction as we depart today? Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may he give you peace. Have an amazing week, New City. Go in peace.